2: It's time for the Rutherford Report on
3: 101 ESPN.
1: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey,
2: here we go. Our Blues Insider from The Athletic is the one, the only, Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Doing well, Randy. Michelle, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. And uh, first of all, I want you to weigh in here because I get a lot of grief from Matthew and Michelle about... uh, and. Sometimes it's deserved, but (laughs) when you have a fourth line with spectacular nicknames like Toro, like Lobro, Uh, like uh, Mac Mac, 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 and then you've got Nadub on the team. Uh, Tell me that uh, my, uh, no, don't tell me that my great, my nicknames aren't great, but they're great nicknames, aren't they?
1: They are. And let me start this Mm. answer out by saying that I always respect Michelle's opinions, but (laughs) I love Nadub.
0: JR, what? Yes. yes. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let's uh, let's just pump the brakes real quick. What we need to realize here is that Jeremy Rutherford is the single nicest human being on planet yes? Earth. There is no way that he's going to come on Randy Carriker's show and say, Nadeb is terrible. You need to bury it six feet under. There's no way he's going to do that. So, JR, love and respect you, but you're too nice for this. I know you won't tell oh, him it's no, awful.
1: No, no. Well, put it this way. Tonight, if he does anything, he's going to be Nadeb on Twitter. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't get Nadeb trending. We need to end this. But okay, Jr. Here's a ruling from you. After the game, Braden Shen, being interviewed by our friend Darren Pang on Valley Sports Midwest, called him walks. So if the team calls yeah. him walks, who are we to try to call him Dub?
1: That's too lame. We got to overrule in this situation.
0: <laughs> Man, all right, Jr. I'm telling
2: you that during the course of number 99's career. There were a lot of people that walked through dressing rooms calling him Gretz when everybody else was calling him the great one. <laughs> so Nadub, yeah, they, can, they can call him walks. It just doesn't fit. In the public yeah. domain, he's Nadub.
0: It seems like we just need to get him on the show and ask him directly.
2: <laughs> we do. Yeah, I was going to say, do we know if he's ever heard that before yet? Do we know? I'm not sure. Well, he's got to listen, right? Yeah. I'm sure even up, yeah. when he's up in Springfield, he's listening on the app, the 101 on On the ESPN, app, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, JR, you have a new piece up at uh, The Athletic about Toro, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Alexei Toropchenko, and an interesting story. And I think it's a story that not many people know that you are famous for at The Athletic. What did you learn about Alexei Toropchenko?
1: A lot. First of all, he played with Dub down in Springfield, and then he got called up to the Blues, and uh, he, guys, he's looked great. He's only played 12 games. Doesn't it seem like he's played more than 12 games? He uh, does five, feel like that. It really does. Five, the first stint, and seven this time, and he's just got the one goal, but it's not just the uh, offense, obviously, on that fourth line. He's helped give that line somewhat of an identity, at least as much as you can do in, in 12 games. The one thing that stuck out to me with uh, what Craig Berube said about him is that he arrives on time, and that takes more than skill and skating. It takes brains, too. And you notice whenever he's in on the forecheck and he's starting to create a play for the Blues, just like Craig Ruby said, arriving on time and keeps plays going. And, and, uh, you know, 10 seconds later, uh, Tori Krug's putting the puck in the back of the net, but it's because of what Torpchenko did to get uh, down on the forecheck and put himself in position. So uh, from his play, from his performance, that's what I've learned about him. But digging a little deeper, guys, and and talking to his billet family, up in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Just a, a great person, a great personality. Here comes this Russian kid to play in the Ontario Hockey League. They're going to host him at their house. They have a couple young kids at the time, I think five or six years old and one-year-old, and they don't know, is he going to speak decent English? What's the case? And Toropchenko gets in their car and he says, what's up, new family? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and so he became a big brother to these young boys. And everywhere you go, the last thing I'll give you here is that he always knew it was going to be a step-by-step situation. Yes, he wanted to play in the NHL, but a lot of young players, and I talked to Drew Bannister, the Springfield coach, about this. They just want to get to the NHL in, in you know a day. And he said with Torpchenko, he knew it was going to take time in the Ontario Hockey League. He knew it was going to take time in San Antonio, Springfield. But now he's here, and he hopes he's here to stay.
0: Yeah, that patience is crucial, JR. I know another anecdote from this story is about some personal adversity that Torpchenko dealt with. In 2017, I know you wrote about how his father passed away, and then just months later he's moving to Canada to try to get his career going. I can't imagine what that's like for a young man to go through all of that at one time.
1: Yeah, Michelle. So his dad is uh, named Leo, and he was drafted in the NHL by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Actually came over and played a couple years in the minors. Never made it up uh, to the NHL one of the first uh, Russians to come over and play. It was kind of that wave of Russians in the 1990s. So, look, that says a lot about, you know, his dad was willing to come over and and, and make that transition, even though he didn't make it. Uh, His dad played for the Springfield Indians, so that's kind of interesting that the two Torpchenkos play for the same city in the American Hockey League. And one of his teammates is our good friend. We all know him, Terry Yake. And so Hmm. I called Terry Yake. And he said, yeah, I remember Big Leo, six foot five, two 230 pounds. Look at Torpchenko, 6'6", six, 218. Six, and uh, he said he's watched Alex Torpchenko, uh, yay Kaz, and, and he said there's a lot of similarities. And and so uh, they had the lockout in 94-95, and uh, Leo Torpchenko went back to Russia, never returned. But it was always uh, Alex's dream to play in the NHL. Well, in 2017, his dad Leo passes away of a heart attack, and that's what started... Alex's journey to uh, Canada to play junior hockey gets drafted by the Blues and now he's realized that dream. Uh, with the help of his parents, especially his dad, Leo.
2: J.R. a 113th pick in the 2017 draft. Robert Thomas was the 20th pick in that draft. It's not like the Blues are taking guys with, with top five picks. Tage Thompson has emerged for Buffalo. He was 26th overall. My question is, how do the Blues do it? How do the Blues keep getting guys when they don't draft high in the draft?
1: Yeah, you can even stretch that list out a little further. You go with uh, T.J. Oshie, you go David Perron, Jordan Kairou goes in the second round. Uh, Joel Edmondson was, was later on. Uh, you know, they had a great uh, amateur draft uh, for years, and, and that scouting staff was terrific. You know, for years it was led by Kekalainen, then Bill Armstrong took over, and now they have uh, Tony in charge. And, and so it's just been uh, really consistent from that group. And, and you know, the first-round picks they haven't had, very high ones, as you said, Randy, you know, when they did, they had that number one overall with Eric Johnson It didn't quite work out overall, but they've been really good in that second to third round range. And, you know, teams across the league, they're going to have a tough time rounds five, six, you know, so on and so forth. But the blues right there in that sweet spot, second, third round, have found a lot of good players, including some of the ones you mentioned.
0: How would you grade Jr. The trade deadline move by the blues to acquire Letty, but giving up that pick Wallman and of course, Oscar Sundquist.
1: Yeah, as I wrote in my article, I think you have to separate the two because if you're just asking, okay, grade the Blues and Doug Armstrong on trade deadline day leading up to it, did they improve the team? Can they compete with, you know, the top teams in the league? You know, sure, they can compete, but could they have done more? You know, I don't think the grade is is, is all that great, you know, in terms of a 10. You know, you're not giving them a 9 or a 10 in that department. Uh, I think Nick Letty can come in and play well like we saw the other night, and I think it can be a really good fit for the Blues. and. You know, perhaps, uh, you know, they can go a couple rounds. But I think you have to separate it from what Doug Armstrong was separating it from, and that is this summer, salary cap flexibility. You know, he's moved a player in Oscar Sunquist who was a fan favorite, but he's at 2.75 next year, and he's not in their top nine. Well, now – you know, if he wants to go out and do something, he's got more cap flexibility, and that can grow based on some decisions that they make this summer with Tarasenko's trade request, with David Braun, so on and so forth. So to me, I think in that department, he gets a 9 or a 10 because he preserved the assets, the Jake Neighbors, the Zach Bold- Boldukes, the first-round picks. Uh, so I think in terms of the deadline, he probably did the best he could with the fallback that he was planning for the summer.
0: Jerry, we know that Sonny hasn't been the same since he's been recovering from those injuries, but he's been described as the engine. Craig Ruby said he's a guy who just makes your team go. You're around the team all the time. You're around the players. What's it like to lose someone like that from this group?
1: Yeah, it is tough. And from what I gather, uh, still trying to uh, you know, talk to some people um, you know, for a potential uh, SunQuest story coming up. Uh, Oscar Sundquist got on the plane that the team was leaving for Washington. So it was a one o'clock flight, I believe. And that was about the time that the trade went down. So uh, Oscar Sundquist was on the plane, getting ready to depart for uh, Washington and came off the plane when he learned of the trade. So imagine saying goodbye to guys that uh, you won the Stanley cup with. I know there's uh, not all that many left, but there's a few on that plane. And so uh, I think it is tough. You know, the word engine was used a lot with Oscar Sundquist. I just don't know that he's ever going to 100% maybe he does but you know with that double hip surgery we've seen him this year he doesn't even look 80% you know that could be a question mark moving forward and even if he does come back and become a a good player again uh, look he's in his late 20s approaching 30 and he's got one more year left on his contract so when that contract comes up are you willing to commit to him even further knowing that not knowing what that health is going to be like so to me he was a question mark and even though he was a fan favorite if you can't trade Marco Scandella Oscar Sundquist was one of the few ways that you could free up some salary cap space, and I think that's what they did.
2: Hey, JR, one more thing about Doug Armstrong thinking big picture. Because as fans, on the night that Matthew Kachuk was taken by the Flames in 2016, we were all saying, not all of us, but a lot of us were saying, man, I hope he can be a Blue one day. I wonder at what point the Blues decide that they want a player. Because they... Doug Armstrong's talked about thinking five years down the road, right? I wonder at what point he's got a block of salary space carved out so that he can go out and pursue a guy like that.
1: Yeah, it could be. We've all talked about it. And, guys, I don't think that it's just because he's from St. Louis. I think it's the way he plays and uh, his style, uh, his personality, his skill, what he brings to the ice, you know, his pedigree. Uh, I think there's so much more involved than Matthew Kachuk, you know, than just being from St. Louis. And, and I know that we've made a big deal about that the past couple of years. Uh, but to me, he would be a really good fit. He's so Brian if I'm Sutter. Doug Sutter. He, he is. He, he really is, you know, probably with some more skill, too. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, yeah, and so I think that he would be a great fit. So, you know, I, I know that Doug Armstrong has explored You know, how far anything got, probably not that far because the package would be so big, and he did have some uh, term left with the Calgary Flames. Um, So, you know, do GMs set aside cap? You know, I suppose they plan for it. uh, But, you know, listening to Doug Armstrong for the past 10 years that I've covered him, you know, nothing's a guarantee. So, obviously, if he is even remotely planning for something like that, you know, he's got some other things in mind. Or know Mm -hmm. that, that things could come up. Uh, that he could pivot a different direction if uh, Matthew winds up not being available.
2: We recommend to everybody head over to The Athletic to read the story about Alexei Torepchenko and always read JR's great work at The Athletic and online on Twitter at JP Rutherford. JR, always great to hear you and your voice, and uh, we appreciate your time today. Yeah, follow on Twitter for some NADUB references. <laughs> I love oh, it. It <laughs> doesn't
0: All get right.
2: any better than JR. <laughs> Thank you, brother. See you later. All right, see you. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic.
1: Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to
2: $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.